Matthew is grounding the story of Jesus into the history of Israel. Hello, welcome to the PonderCast, where it's okay to think differently about the Bible and theology. Let's get pondering. Welcome back, all you PonderCast listeners. We're glad you're here once again listening to Perry and I speaking about theology, the Bible, and what we think of it. We do appreciate listening to us, and we hope that you've been enjoying our our season two as we <laughs> get started here and get started on some different topics and different ideas. But like always, once again, I'm with Perry Siddons on the other side. He's just waiting for me to stop talking, so... How are you doing, Perry? I'm good. Yep. That's good. Good. Ready to get going. Way to, way to keep the conversation going, Perry. I'm good. Nothing else. I don't know That's what helpful. else. That's helpful, man. That's helpful. I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah, so for everyone listening, if you haven't figured it out by now, we've been recording these a little bit ahead of time. So it's kind of interesting trying to figure out what we've, like when it's going to come out as far as like producing dates. So it's kind of interesting, but uh, and if you haven't noticed already, we have a different kind of uh, outline, I guess, for this season two. We're kind of sticking with themes, kind of throughout a couple episodes. Have so you, mm. if you haven't caught on by the creation, kind of three-parter, kind of tying together, what? but also separate. We were trying to tie those together. Oh yeah. Oh, Whoops. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot that was a secret. <laughs> anyway, but today we are moving on to a different kind of topic, a different study. I think it's quite a bit different than what we've usually done. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a different kind of trend, different way of thinking. But I'll let Perry introduce <laughs> it because he's more eloquent with words. Go ahead, <laughs> Perry. Oof. Good thing I've had my coffee. No, it's um, we are doing something different, and it's and I'm glad it's an exciting little mini series we want to do. Uh, we kind of teased it out a little bit in the last season when we talked about the first coming of Christ and the second coming, but we want to focus. A lot on his first coming again, but particularly in each gospel, we want to see how does Jesus, how did the gospel writer present Jesus uh, in each gospel, and that's intrinsically uh, that that it's intrinsically grounded in the in the specific piece of literature, how that the author writes the book, how how he sets up the book, and how and how he's presenting Jesus. All four gospels are about Jesus, and uh, I was just thinking back in the fall that it'd be nice to to, to talk about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's, it'd be nice to not this, debate something. Hey, <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> this is, we want this to something. be a little less controversial. We still want mm-hmm. it to be intellectually stimulating. Uh, yeah. Because we know our audience enjoys that, enjoys thinking differently. And we're, we just want to try something different here just really get into uh, the scriptures and the, our, our, our new time limit is conducive to this kind of conversation where we can talk about each gospel and it'll maybe end up being about what, like two hours in total. Yes. <laughs> you know, Self-limiting you, time limit. Yeah. <laughs> but I've mean, been told you, like, episode, you need to each, limit your time for every, you know, for the next four episodes that'll end up being about two hours but you can you can take in more uh you can have some time to process each gospel 
and helps mm-hmm. us to be probably to articulate this better. So we want to talk about Matthew today uh, in the grand scheme of things. We should have talked about Mark first, maybe, uh, because scholars say that Mark was written first and that Matthew and Luke rely on Mark. Uh, not predom- well, predominantly, but there's also there's all sorts of theories with that. But we're going to start with Matthew because it's first the first book in the New Testament canon. We want to see what the, the unique perspective is that each gospel writer brings and how their theology is intertwined through uh, this piece of literature, through their gospel. And as we progress further, as we get into Mark's gospel, Luke's gospel, John's gospel, we're going to be able to compare and contrast the theology of each gospel writer. For now, as we get into Luke, or pardon me, as we, as we get into Matthew, I know we're in Matthew today, um, we're just going to see what Matthew says, kind of, uh unravel it a bit i mean this is going to be basic and hopefully this can be a good uh a little uh jumping off point if you will uh for you to dig deeper into these gospels so mm-hmm. you add to that drew no i just i just want to say i am quite excited that the fact we're doing something that's not like one side or the other side that you have to kind of like pin against to kind of grapple with it's kind of nice to do something just so we hope I guess our goal is to have us just be like an information, just like mm-hmm. let's just kind of learn together, tell you what we've been learning, kind of what, what uh, some knowledge, just kind of an input and resource for you. And that we don't always need to debate and argue. Likewise, if you have something you want to add to the conversation, hit on Facebook, right? Like let us know mm-hmm. something you learned that we didn't touch on. So we'd love exactly. to hear it. We, without further ado that we should get into this. So we don't uh, run out of time. So the first question I want to ask Drew is what sticks out from Matthew's gospel to you? Say that one more time, sorry. What sticks out to you from Matthew's in, gospel? In Matthew's gospel? Uh, one thing that that stuck out to me, and this kind of, I don't want just to be there because it's the first thing in the gospel, but it is a very interesting thing. It was the genealogy of Christ right mm-hmm. at the beginning. I remember doing a, uh, a Sunday school lesson on the genealogy of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, months back, I did it. And I kind of compared the Matthew to the Luke account and how they're different hmm. and like why the reasonings would be why they're different and how they're like, they contrast quite drastically. And I think what, why Matthew writes the genealogy, how he writes it is really cool. I think in like showing who Christ is, hmm. what his lineage was. I thought that was amazing. Um, we can get into that further if you want, but like, just like the idea that it's like they're in groups of 14 and three groups of 14 and that like, you know, like the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, how they kind of like, hmm. how those overlap and like how they're both important. And like the post-exile is kind of like the third chunk and like all these kind of things that tie together. Uh, I just really think it's genealogies are really cool because there's like, way, there's always way more that meets the eye in it. <laughs> in Matthew's mm-hmm. anyway, for sure, there's way more. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that's, maybe that's just the low hanging fruit that why I like it because it's right at the beginning, but uh, <laughs> it's also, I I guess the second, I'll give you one more and then I'll let you kind of give your, what sticks out to you in Matthew's gospel. The other one is like the, the amount of comparisons I find in Matthew's gospel to the old Testament, specifically like the fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Like how many, uh, I can't remember what the phrase that, that uh, is used, but like the idea, like this was done to fulfill what oh, yeah. was written. It's like that is such a prominent theme in Matthew. And like, I think it's 
I had the number here somewhere, but I lost it. But just it's so constantly used. Mm-hmm. It's like 10 times that phrase specifically is used. And then so many other times it jumps back to the Old Testament, just relying on different verses. I think Matthew does it for a very specific reason, um, specifically when Christ does it, trying to show like it's it's fulfilling what's happening in the Old Testament. Anyways, mm-hmm. those are my kind of two big ones. What are What sticks up to you? Or did I steal yours? <laughs> no, well... You stole the genealogies from me, but uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's still good. Um, as I was studying, uh, particularly in N.T. Wright in his book, The New Testament and the People of God, he really tries to draw out that Matthew is connecting this to Genesis by the fact that the first word of, Gen- of Matthew 1 is the book of the genealogy, which in Greek is Biblos. Genesis, uh, which is taking uh, that that predominant theme in Genesis of this is the this is the generation. Uh, N.T. Wright says this can literally be translated the, the generation of the, the book of the genealogy. I found that very fascinating how the uh, Matthew connects uh, this to Genesis, but not just in a literary sense, but in a very theological sense. Uh, which I which I'll get to in a, in a moment. Um, we could have a whole episode on the genealogy, honestly. Maybe um, maybe that's just what this will turn into. <laughs> that was what ends up. Buckle up, people. We're talking about genealogies today. <laughs> that's where it um, goes. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the f- and that he doesn't talk about uh, Adam in this genealogy. Mm-hmm. He says the son of David, the son of Abraham. That and there's that there's that theological significance there, and N.T. Wright notes that Matthew is grounding the story of Jesus into the history of Israel. So Matthew's opening words, "Biblos Geneseos," means literally the book of Genesis, or as in, by deliberately hooking his own plot into larger plot, the story of the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right, but that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Like, well, like, I, I'm serious because it, it's so cool. Interestingly, it doesn't relate to Adam, though, hey? That's, that's kind of interesting. That's, yeah, exactly. Maybe Adam wasn't <laughs> historical. Maybe Adam wasn't historical. Well, no, Luke does. Uh, I'm just joking. No, I know you're joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and, and further to this genealogy is that he doesn't really talk about the exile ending. And so a number of commentators note that Jesus is entering into this, this exilic state that they're in and bringing them out of exile. And of course we know that that's more of a spiritual exile yeah. than actually the physical exile. And that's, I mean, that's what the exile was all about really was the people had left God and he was leaving them. Um, uh, and and so that they want him to come back, and he did come back in Jesus, and and so we get into that with this is Jesus, you you know this is Emmanuel, God with yeah, us. Yeah, God with yeah, exactly yeah. Which he, which sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. So, so I, fish, I was gonna say it ties in nicely to one of like um, Matthew's key themes in in writing is that coming out of the exile, it's like he's trying to emphasize this point that this this is God, not above, but with like within mm-hmm. transcendent with us which is kind of interesting in how in one way in which matthew actually writes 
mm-hmm. not necessarily contrast, but I find it's it was kind of elevated, I guess. In some aspects, I found it more elevated. This this theme. Hmm. Well, I will say, um, moving on from the genealogy, uh, maybe we'll have to come back to the. <laughs> to yeah, the I might have to. In another episode, it's int- I I find it so good. You know, this whole grounding it in the history of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and how many scholars note that. This is almost uh, Jesus is taking on the history of Israel in, in, in Matthew shows that really well where Jesus is baptized and then he's taken to the desert. Well, Israel was taken through the Red Sea and then they were in the wilderness for 40 years. Well, Jesus is in the wilderness uh, for 40 days replaying, uh, taking on Israel's history, fulfilling Israel's history. Matthew really shows that, like you said earlier, where he says, to fulfill what it said, what it what was said here in this prophet, to fulfill, you know, Matthew has all these proof texts to show that Jesus is the one that the scriptures are pointing toward. Now, uh, I will say though, he uh, begins his ministry, he heals people, he calls his disciples, but then he is on the sermon. Uh, or pardon me, he's on the mountain preaching what we call the Sermon on the Mount, explicating the law, showing how the law applies to the heart. And that is so fascinating how Jesus is again taking on the role of Israel. It's um, it's also almost a recapitulation of uh, Mount Sinai, the giving of the law. He's He's furthering the law in a sense he's saying what this is this is the law of jesus uh this is this is how my this is what my disciples are to be like this is what my this is what what my nation is to be like my people so anyways is there anything no no i i don't try i i understand it it's really interesting reading like how jesus came to not like and like and it's common phrase like he didn't come to abolish the law but came to fulfill Mm. it and i find um reading in matthew just kind of study it and maybe not reading all the cases but just studying where like sort of how other people kind of are studying and it's it's just amazing if you put them all in a line the things that were fulfilled through christ maybe not explicitly but even indirectly but it's a very large number And, and i think that's really interesting the themes that the book of Matthew bring out that Christ is the coming Messiah who is coming to fulfill these things in the old Testament, which the prophets spoke, which, which, um, were spoken in the old Testament. And yeah, it's, it's really cool just to see, um, how it all plays out. One, one thing that I thought was interesting is, and this, this kind of ties into Christ, but kind of not. So it might be a little bit off topic, but like in, in like looking at the disciples of Christ in each te- in each book, it's really interesting. Like in Mark, the disciples are kind of seen as like dummies almost. Like it's like you have no faith, or in Matthew, it's like you have little faith. And like they're almost like it's almost like Jesus is like they're they're okay, but they're like they can be better. And in <laughs> Mark, they're kind of like you guys are failures. You're really screwing it up, which is interesting. It's one, it's like, 
it's just the the contrast in which the disciples are kind of viewed in each gospel are, is different too. Like I said, Mark, they're kind of seen as you'll never get it. Like you guys are never going to understand who this is. Whereas in Matthew, they're always like trying to get a little bit closer, mm-hmm. which I, like I said, it's not exactly the person of Christ, but I thought that was an interesting kind of hmm. note between the two of them. What about, uh, well, I, I, maybe we haven't even touched on this yet. Like Matthew's overall purpose in writing. Like what was Matthew's mm. purpose in writing the gospel? What I kind of gathered was it was basically to show that Jesus was the Messiah. He was mm-hmm. the the Messiah of the Old Testament coming to deliver, like you said before, from exile, but not necessarily a physical exile, more so the spiritual exile from sin. So mm-hmm. that, I, that's what I kind of got. I don't know if you have anything to add or you wanted to add to that. Right. Uh, I would just say what I said before that, Matthew is really trying to show that Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel, that Jesus is the true Israel. And that I, I, I think Matthew is writing to a predominantly Jewish uh, audience, which would totally make sense because of all the proof texts to show that this is mm-hmm. the, this is the Messiah. You can, you can trust that yeah. this is grounded in the history of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. So I think that is the the big the big purpose of, mm-hmm. of saying uh, the big purpose for this for this this gospel. Yeah, to show that he is the new Moses, to show that he is exactly. the new Israel, to show that he is the new the better motif for lack of a better word of the Old Testament, right? Like He's he he's fulfilling the motif. He's in line yes. with the motif. Yes, that's a beautiful word, motif. Oh, <laughs> sorry, that's nothing to do with anything. I just really like that word, motif. That's beautiful, especially when you but can even use it. In, I like that you bring that up, though. That he's the new Moses. He's the new David because he is inaugurating the kingdom of God in this book. Oh, totally. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know where he's casting out demons. That's a huge marker of the inauguration of the kingdom of God's spiritual kingdom coming onto earth. And I will say, oh, I love this connection uh, with, with uh, Matthew 28, where, you know, he says, go into the, all the world, make disciples in my name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, baptizing them, teaching them. And uh, lo, I will be with you always. Well, that connects to, the last chapter of Deuteronomy and to Joshua one, where it says, go into the land, go and take it and know that I will be, I'm paraphrasing this, but know that I will be with you as you go into the, into the promised land. There's that connection, but also connecting to God's command to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, And so we're multiplying the disciple, uh, you know, God's people are being multiplied. So, even there, those are those are really neat connections uh, within the Gospel of Matthew, uh, where Jesus is bringing, has brought the kingdom, and is sending his people out. It's almost like Matthew's uh, Pentecost, if you want to say, or Ascension um, narrative, where he's commissioning them right. to go out. Right, that's really cool. Did you did you see anything like on the specific uh, phrases used for Christ in Matthew? 
compare it to like different in other gospels or no? Do you not look into that at all? Uh, I know that Jesus refers to himself as the son of man, but that's, I mean, that's typical. That's each all. Gospel. That's not yeah. really unique well, to each gospel. Well, it's interesting. I was looking at some like uh, different scholarly writings on Matthew specifically. They're saying how like the word L O R D, like capital L mm-hmm. lowercase Lord is mm-hmm. used quite frequently. Hmm. Not necessarily like the um, covenantal name, mm. not just Lord as in like Sir, as in leader, is mm. used quite often. And I was kind of like trying to figure like why would that be a key word? And maybe it's just a coincidence, right? So like some of the other one was like Jesus is the Son of God. That that was a key one too. And the difference is like in some gospels when Peter says, "Who do you say I am?" or when Christ says, "Who do I say I am?" Peter says, "You are the Christ." Whereas in Matthew, it says, the Christ, son of the living God. And there's aspect of this, the son of the living God is kind of, or the son of God is more prominent to Matthew. And like I said, I don't know how much there is to that specifically, like Matthew's goal in writing that. Mm. I was trying to, I was trying to figure out if you have anything on that, but it was, or, or it's just, that's how he wrote, right? That's how he decided to write it and mm. should look into it at all, right? And I don't, I'm not willing to say it's super important, but do you have anything to add on to that? Oh, or that like, is so important. It's so good. Um, no, is, is it specific to the Matthew narrative, though, is what I'm saying? Oh, uh, I'm not. To my shame, I'm not sure. Uh, um, but I know no, no, that. I, I know it's important. Like, I know it's. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, yeah. But what, okay. I'm, what I want to say is that that's also testifying to the fact that this, that, that, that Matthew is grounding Jesus' work, ministry, life, whatever, however you want to say it, in Old Testament motifs, your favorite word. Beautiful. Um, where in the Old Testament, the, the king was called the son, the God, was called God's son. Right, yeah. So that's, I'm trying to make that point that uh, um, there's that element there too, that they are recognizing uh, Jesus' king. kingship because it, did did the did the original authors were they writing son of god as a theological term meaning he is the second person of the trinity or is it a like so what i mean is are they saying jesus has divinity yes i think the first century by the time matthew was writing they were saying yes jesus is divinity you could place that mm-hmm. theological meaning into the text into the in, into that but also grounding it in the Old Testament narrative of the king. Like there was this promise that God's son would come uh, and and be, you know, the new David in a sense. I can't remember. That just came to my mind as we as you were talking about that. So Interesting. The, the interesting part also is that and this is a lot of just titles that are given. And I think it's interesting. Maybe people <laughs> don't. But even like the, the title son of David, right? Like that. That's right, such a right. huge implication. And, this, and we're just kind of going in circles here. So I don't mean to do that, but just that it's just more examples of the motif of the Old Testament, right? Right. The, right? And I guess that's the whole point we're trying to stress is Matthew is really jumping back to the Old Testament. That's the whole point is how is this being fulfilled here? It's son of David. That is direct motif to the Old Testament to say, hey, this is the fulfillment of the 
the divinic covenant right? right and so it's just it's it's just so awesome and so uh, dudes and it there so don't keep going in circles but <laughs> I, I just i just i think it's really important to understand that we're not just going in circles for the sake of going in circles the point is is that matthew is doing that on purpose for the reader to understand that this is pointing back to the old testament so everything we say is going to point back to the old testament <laughs> when i talk about jesus right so uh, it's really interesting stuff to look into. Well, and Matthew is so much like the book of Hebrews, where the book of Hebrews is trying is writing to a predominantly Jewish background saying, you can trust that this is part of God's program for salvation, that this isn't a new thing, that, that, uh, that Jesus isn't a new, well, in a one sense he's new, but in another sense he's old. This, was, right. this is part of the plan. This is what Matthew is saying. Jesus has always been part of the plan. And see that for yourself. Uh, everything he's doing is showing that this is part of the plan. <laughs> From right. the beginning, that this is part of God's plan mm-hmm. to, uh, to redeem the world, to bring reconciliation. So I think that's really, really good. And that, I mean, that just goes to show that the Old Testament is an important part of Christianity. Uh, you can't have yeah. the New Testament without the Old Testament. Well, I'm going to name drop here. Not like some uh, Andy Stanley would say. Wasn't it him who said you don't need the Old well, Testament? Well, that's... He can be easily... I can't believe I'm going to defend him now. But I actually... Oh, here we go. <laughs> yes, he said we should unhitch the Old Testament from the, the New Testament. From the New, yeah. But I think he was... He's definitely taking a context. Um, okay. Because I, I just... He, I just know he, took a lot of heat he shouldn't have it. said it because it was an irresponsible thing to say because then he had to do a lot of clarifying on what he meant by it. Uh, I don't know. I, I still think he thinks that. In his, what's his book, Irresistible. You read that oh, book? No, I haven't. Apparently that's a pretty big, not a huge theme in it, but that's, apparently I haven't read it either, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk about it. But I've heard that that's I think a, what he was a, trying to say was that the Old Testament law does not have bearing on our life anymore. Well, that's very different than unhinge the Old yeah, Testament well, from the New Testament. I realize that. <laughs> yeah. Well, just... I don't need to, I don't need to defend Right. Him. Why am I defending Andy Stanley? Okay, let's get out of here. Like we're in the same place. I feel like we're in a recording studio. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Are you comfortable? you have anything else you want to add? Uh, that's it for this week. Right on. Oh, thank you folks for listening to us once again. We are hoping that these conversations would just start a spark in you to do some mm-hmm. research for yourself. Exactly. Let us know what we missed. Let us, actually, I'm serious. Let us know. So we know at least 30 people listen to us every episode. <laughs> and we'd really like it if one of you would just say yes or no to wanting an episode on the genealogy of Christ. Because hmm. we'd gladly do one, and I'd have a lot of fun doing it. So we know 30 of you listen to each one. So just one of you, just let us know. That'd be we're great. We'd love to sound, We're starting to sound a little desperate. Well, we I, just, I, would, I would just like to know if people want that yeah. or not. Because I yeah, would like exactly. to do an episode on it. But if no one else <laughs> wants it, then fine. that's fine. Like, I get it. It's not the most exciting stuff. But, but if you want it, let us know. Uh, That'd be great. Anyways, once again, we do appreciate you listening. Uh, like yeah. your ass, wherever you listen to your podcasts please and thank you we did appreciate that we thank you in advance because we know you're all going to do it and like always leave us a comment let us know what you think of the ponder cast genealogies the weather outside anything really 
We don't really care. We just love to hear from you. Anyways, Perry, anything Holy. else to add? Oh, no. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Drew, for that, that, uh, that conclusion. Wow. <laughs> Till next week. Keep pondering.